You're listening to a podcast of the Sunday morning message from Grace Christian Church in the city of Cork on the beautiful south coast of Ireland. We hope and pray that it will be a blessing to you. Good morning again. It's good to see you all. It's good to see you all. Uh, I say based on the song, Why, 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 Delilah, you might have a fair idea of where I'm going this morning. Does anybody, has anybody heard that song before? Anybody know who sang it? Tom Jones. It's not unusual to be loved by anyone. He's got, he's got the grooves. Tom Jones for a man, what is he, he's like 75 and he's like so cool. You know, I hope maybe someday to be a cool 75 year old by the grace of God. Anyway, this morning, last Sunday morning, I was talking about the strength and weakness. About how sometimes when we are weak, we need God's strength to, to, to come onto our lives and and as it were, to empower us to do what God has called us and tasked us to do. I want to change direction ever so slightly this morning. Um, and I want to look at another character who was of a similar mind. Last week I was looking at, um, forgive me, last, last week I was looking at, just a second, do you know what I'm actually doing now? I'm, doing, I'm going to set a timer so that I don't bore the living daylights out of you for too long, all right? So here we go, I'll start it. Good man yourself, Donovan. No, I can't go wrong. It's counting down. Counting down from one hour, seven minutes. We'll be fine. We'll be fine. Um, anyway, I want to talk. That last week I was talking about Gideon. And the thing about Gideon was Gideon was a really, really uh, weak guy. He was a guy who didn't think that he was able to do what God was calling him to do because he looked only at the external um, the external issues of his life. He looked at how his family was the smallest in their clan and how he was the weakest in his family and there was no way that God could use him to deliver the nation of Israel. And we began to look about how it is that sometimes when we feel at our weakest, that is when God's strength is at, at its best and at work within us. I want to look this morning at, if you will, a couple of superheroes in the Bible. I want to look at a couple of superheroes in the Bible. Now, the thing about superheroes is that all superheroes have their weakness. Every superhero is not just a pure superhero, but they've all got some kind of weakness or other. Now, does anybody know what Superman's weakness was? Kryptonite is correct. Superman's weakness was kryptonite. Does anybody know what Batman's weakness was? He has no powers, good man. Hey, Raul, you know your thing. He's human. He suffers pain. Does anybody know what Spider-Man's weakness is? <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Marvel, at the back there. He's DC. Is that right? Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just, just leave, please, if you wouldn't mind. Spider-Man's weakness was the people that he fell in love with, Mary Jane being perhaps the most specific one. His other weakness was that if he ever fell into a bath, he couldn't get out of it. Think about it for a second. <laughs> the human torch had a weakness as well. His weakness was? Aha! His weakness was, Dan? Wood. Wood was the human torch's weakness. Don't ask me why the human torch had a weakness for wood. It just doesn't make any sense, but there you go. But every superhero has their weakness. Everybody has a weakness. And every one of us, guys, have a weakness. But on the flip side of that, we all have strength. And I actually want to talk to you this morning about your strength. And about the thing that may, may, may be very obvious to you. I want to look this morning at the weakness in strength. Because sometimes when we are really strong, that actually is the moment in which we become weak. 
The moment we think we are strong is the moment when we can very often become weak, if you're with me. I'm going to be looking at a very famous guy. The song was the hint at the start. I was looking at a guy called Samson. We're going to have a look at him in a few minutes. We're going to be looking at Judges chapter 13 to 16. And no, we're not going to be reading it all. I'm just going to do a few verses towards the end of his story. But I want to begin actually in Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11 writes the list, or the list is written in Hebrews chapter 11, what's called the heroes or the hall of fame of faith. And look at this verse from Hebrews chapter 11. When the writer says, how much more do I need to say? It would take too long to recount the stories of faith of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and all of the prophets. By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, and received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions, quenched the flames of fire, and escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength. They became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight. You see, when you look at this list of people, you notice something that's interesting about them. They all have faults. They all have flaws. They all have failings. But they all have faith. They all have faith. You know, along with our faults and our fallings and our frailties, we can still have faith and see God do amazing things in our lives. Amen? And that was the story for these guys. But when you look at the characters that are in this, the likes of Gideon was not a great guy. He actually didn't end up very well. Barak was okay. Samson was a disaster. Jephthah was just as much of a disaster. Made some dreadful decisions. Was a pretty reprehensible individual most of the time. Now last week we were looking specifically at Gideon. We were looking at Gideon because of his weakness. And I want to look this week at... Another guy who had a weakness. We already discussed it a while ago. We're going to look at Samson. Samson had a lot of weaknesses, but he had a lot of strengths. He's known for his strengths. Now, if you want to compare, for instance, Samson and Gideon, it's very interesting. Gideon was inadequate. He felt inadequate. Samson felt invincible. Gideon was born in weakness, where Samson was born in strength. Gideon was just an afterthought. Samson was an answer to prayer. Gideon was anonymous, but Samson was announced. The angel of the Lord came and spoke to his parents and said, you're going to have a child and that child is going to grow up and he's going to be mighty and he's going to deliver the nation of Israel from its enemies. The start that Samson had in life was absolutely incredible and his story is one of strength. Isn't that right? Everybody knows the story of Samson. Has anybody here ever not heard of Samson? Okay, he's pretty well known of universally. The thing is, if you're here this morning, you go, are you not going to tell me some story about some magical strong guy and that kind of thing, eh? The thing about the story of Samson is when you read it in the book of Judges in the Bible, you see an authenticity to that story that really gives it a ring of truth. Because if he was just the superhero or the legendary hero of the Greeks or of the Romans, he wouldn't have had any flaws and faults in the way that we see Samson. Samson had the most incredible weaknesses. In actual fact, he was a man absolutely driven by his passions. When he was hungry, he ate. When he wanted a woman, he got a woman. When he was angry, he killed people. He just was completely driven by his passions. And yet through all of that, God used him. But I want to look at his scrapes because the thing about Samson is this is that I think he was a bit of an escapologist. 
He had this ability to get out of trouble. And because he had the ability to get out of trouble, I think he more and more ended up depending upon himself and less and less upon God to deliver him. And as you look at his life, you see all the times he got into trouble and he gets out just at the last minute. You begin to think that someone of these fine days, Samson's luck is going to run out. Can I just say to you, in my life, in my observation, even of myself, that the more often I've gotten away with something, the lesser the likelihood that I'm going to get away with it the next time. Does that make sense? If you look at your life, even if you look at the laws of probability, you will discover that if you do something once, you'll probably get away with it. If you do something twice, yeah, you might get away with it too. But if you keep on doing something, you won't get away with it forever. And that was the story with Samson. He was driven by these passions, and yet God would come upon him by the Spirit mightily. Until the fateful day when Samson handed over his heart and got himself into trouble. What was the trouble he got himself into? It was a lady. And her name was? Delilah. 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 Oh, Delilah. Why Delilah? Delilah. What is this Samson? What are you thinking about, boy? See, Samson only had his eyes. Whatever his eyes fell on, that was what he wanted. He looked, he saw, he grabbed, he got. And he was a victim of his own eyes. A victim of his own eyes. And we'll see what happened to his eyes in a second. It says this. Sometime later, this is towards the end of his story, just for what it's worth. I don't have the time to go over the entire story of Samson because we would be here all day. So I just want to take this one episode and draw some lessons from it. Is that okay? Let's go for it. Sometime later, Samson fell in love with a woman named Delilah who lived in the valley of Sorek. It was the way she walked. It was the way she talked. He just fell far. The rulers of the Philistines went to her and said, entice Samson to tell you what makes him so strong and how he can be overpowered and tied up securely. Then each of us will give you 1,100 pieces of silver. So Delilah said to Samson, please... Tell me what makes you so strong. What would it take to tie you up securely, Samson? What would it take? You see, Delilah has got some offer here. She is about to become a multimillionaire if she manages to pull this one off. If, he manage, if she manages to get Samson a load of people offering her 1,100 pieces of silver, hello, like 10 pieces of silver was a year's wages, so this girl was in the money if she managed to pull this little trick off. So she pouted up her face and said, Samson, I know you love me. Will you please tell me? And we know the story, or those of you who may not know the story, that several times Samson told her the machia secret of his hair. Machia means false, by the way, it's a cock term. Told her the false secret. He, he, he kind of he led her astray, told her a, a, bit of a, a bit of a fib and told her that this was the power. And each time she tried to do something to trap him, Samson would burst up and he would beat up the Philistines and he'd kill a load of them. And then they'd be all sent packing and then Delilah would go, oh, Samson, why did you lie to me, baby? <laughs> you shouldn't have lied to me. I could have got a thousand one hundred pieces of silver, baby. Oh, he, should, he obviously didn't tell her that. Like she didn't tell him that. But anyway, eventually the story goes like this. Sorry, I'm just, trying to, yeah, I'm just trying to frame the picture. So eventually it says this. So finally, oh, Samson shared his secret with her. In one of the translations it says, finally Samson was exasperated with her constant whining. And he said, my hair has never been cut, he confessed. For I was dedicated to God as a Nazarite from birth. 
If my head were shaved, my strength would leave me and I would become as weak as anyone else. The Nazarite vow, I don't have too much time to explain it, but the three simple rules of the Nazarite vow were this. No alcohol and no juice even of a grape, nothing. Do not go near dead bodies. Stay away from the dead, even your own relatives. Do not go near a dead body and do not get your hair cut. Now, Samson wasn't going around with his hair 40 feet long. He was actually, what it meant was don't ever have your head shaved. You could trim it, but you couldn't cut it off completely. And he had a lifelong Nazarite vow. And up to this point in the story, Samson had absolutely taken a coach and four through the first two rules. He'd been around dead bodies and he had been around um, wine and he'd been drinking. So the first two rules of his Nazarite vow were broken and Samson was dangling by a hair at this point of God's power in his life and God's protection in his life. And so he finally tells the beloved and the darling Delilah what his secret is, that his hair must never be cut. And I love what it says next says Delilah lulled Samson to sleep with his head in her lap and then she called in a man to shave off the seven locks of his hair in this way she began to bring him down and his strength left him and then she cried out Samson the Philistines have come to capture you he woke up and he thought I will do as before and I will shake myself free but he didn't realize that the Lord had left him. He thought, I've escaped every other time. I'm going to escape this time just like I did the last time. I'm going to depend on the strength that I have and I'm going to bust the faces of those Philistines. I'm going to walk out there and I'm going to sort them all out and nobody's going to stop Samson. I'm going to, he says, I woke, he thought, I'm going to get up and I'm going to break free just as I did all the other times in my life. Ha, 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 ha. But Delilah had something up her sleeve. Brothers and sisters, beware of the barber. Beware of the barber. Amen, Brother Ron. See, you're still strong despite the fact. Yeah. Beware of the barber. I just want to say it to you seriously. In your life, very often there are people who will shave your strength from you. There are people who will come into your life and try and influence you. And try and take the strength and the faith that you have from you. For a man and for a woman, guard your heart. If you're going to date someone, if you're going to be with someone, if you're going to marry someone, make sure that they're a Christian. Amen? Amen. That way they won't take your strength and you won't have a divided household. And better still, make sure they're a strong Christian. Amen? So they won't take your strength. I just want to say, beware of people who will take your strength from you. Who will draw you away from the source of your life and weaken you. Samson thought he was going to escape just like he did every other time. But not today, Samson. Today was not your breakaway day, baby. Today was the day that he was finished because his strength had left him. The last of the three pillars of the Nazarite vow was broken. His hair was cut and now finally he was weakened by his own passions, by his own desires, by what was, being, what was drawing him continuously away from the Lord. And I love this, you know, Samson was led all his life. What happened to him was what he saw before him. It was, a, it was a, a woman who saw before him. He saw his enemies before him. And all the time he was completely driven by his passions. And then it records this about what the Philistines did to him. So the Philistines captured him and they gouged out his eyes. And they took him to Gaza 
where he was bound with bronze chains and forced to grind grain in a prison. In the end, in the end, he loses his character. He loses his freedom. He loses his eyes. And he loses his dignity. This mighty man of God who had overthrown enemies and destroyed them left, right, and center, who was mighty and strong in everything that he did, loses everything in the end because of his own weakness, because of his own strength, which became his weakness, because he assumed he was going to get out just like he got out every other time. And the same can happen to us. We can begin to lean on our own natural strength. We can begin to lean on the things that we are familiar with. We say, you know, I'm really good at this. And so therefore we begin to lean on our own strength. And that's what happened to Samson. He expected that his own strength was going to get him out of another scrape. And it didn't work. And it cost him everything. In the end, even his dignity was broken. He was put doing the job that a camel or that a, that a mule would have done. Grinding corn that Philistines were delighted with him. We'll pick up the story of Samson some other time. But you know, we have to be careful in our lives. And I, and, I, and I put it to you humbly. We have to be careful in our lives that we don't think that we're doing great ourselves. Just like Samson thought that he was doing great. That we don't have this idea that we have some form of in, invincibility in our lives. Paul is writing to the Corinthian church. And he says to them this. He says, if you think you're standing strong, be careful not to fall. If you think you're really strong and everything is going great for you and your faith is firm, be careful lest you fall. You see, sometimes we can, be, have, we can have confidence instead of caution at work in our souls. Sometimes we think, yeah, I've got this one done. I've got it down. I can handle this. Paul says this. He says, the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience and God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. And when you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. When you are tempted, God will show you the way out. You see, the thing for Samson is he kept on getting these escape routes by his own strength. Every time he was in a scrape, he escaped by his own strength and got out. We need to look to the Lord for our escape route. You see, Samson didn't get where he was. He didn't get into the condition he got into at the end of his life. He didn't get into that condition by accident or by instant. He got there by the choices that he was making. Are you with me? He didn't take the choices to get out of the situation of temptation. You know, people can so often be over, can be too strong. This is how this same passage is put in the, in the message translation. It says, don't be so naive and self-confident. You're not exempt you could fall flat in your face as easily as anyone else. Forget about self-confidence. It's useless. Cultivate God confidence. Would anyone say amen? amen? He says, no test or temptation that comes your way is beyond the course of what others have to face. You know, you will never be tempted in a way that's unique to you. People think that the devil is very creative. He's giving a unique and a brand new creative temptation to me personally. No, he's not. He's lazy. He's going to give the same temptation to you as he gave to me. Same temptation to me as he gave to you. They're common to all of us. None of us have a new temptation. Excuse me, I've got a brand new temptation. No, you don't. You've got the same temptation that's been happening to men and women for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. The same things have been happening. But the same thing has also been happening for Christian believers. The route that Samson didn't take because of his strength, he didn't take, he didn't take the escape route. 
When temptation comes, go for the fire exit. You get me? Do you see what I'm saying? Can I come back and know? Who said no? You go for the fire exit. Don't be pushed beyond your limit. You see, you see, we talk about self-confidence in God. You, t- you take accidents. You take, take car accidents. You, I was talking to somebody recently, and they were driving my car. And uh, it was one of my sons. And he said to me, he, was dri- he wanted to do, do a driving lesson. We did a driving lesson in the car. And I said, be careful of this, and be careful of that, and be careful of the other thing. And he said, Dad, I'm not going to crash. And I said to him, you know, son, nobody I've ever known has ever gotten into a car and said, I think I'll go out and crash. It's never, ever happened. But what happens? Why do so many, and I, I, you know, I say it with a heavy heart, why do so many young men especially die in accidents late at night? Is it because they're too cautious? No. It's because they're too confident. And that's in their mother's fiesta. They're even making noises. We're driving home last night and my son said to me, could we get one of those valves in the car? I said, what kind of a valve? He says, you know, then goes, when you change gears. <laughs> so we're driving up the South Link Road after driving less than every time I changed gear, he went, I said, who needs a valve put into the car? Just come with me. But we can be so confident. Nobody has a car accident because they're too cautious. Well, I, you know, within reason. Some people have car accidents because they're, because they're afraid. You see, we think that we might never fail. We're confident. We're well able to do these things. And sometimes we go and we're strong in areas of our life. And we say, you know, I've got this. Here's two phrases that have the potential to ruin your life. Phrase number one, I can handle this. I can handle this. No, you can't handle this. I guarantee you that if you can handle this problem, or if you can handle this weakness, or you can handle this situation, I guarantee you the enemy is going to send you an even tougher temptation the next time round. He's going to get you. Don't you worry. And you know, when, when it comes to the enemy, don't get into an argument with the Lord. Or with the devil, I'm sorry, my apologies. Don't get into an argument. Don't have an argument with your temptation. Should I, won't I, will I, won't I, will I, will I, should I? Don't get into an argument with your weakness. Whatever the heck you do, please don't get into an argument with your weakness. Because you will lose. Phrase number one, I can handle this. No, you can't. Phrase number two, my personal favorite, I'd never fall for that. The minute you say, I would never fall from that, you've just drawn this huge target on your face. And the enemy is saying, oh yeah, you'd never fall for that, would you? Huh? You hear about somebody who's after making a dreadful mistake or sinning or falling or you know, corrupting their character and you go, what a fool, I'd never fall for that. That's what you think, Teddy. <laughs> you only think that you won't fall for it, but you need to be conscious. You need to be switched on. You need to not rely on your own strength. Can I just, and, and, and let me give you two examples. If you suffer with an addiction to say something like alcohol. This is so obvious. Don't go and do evangelism in a pub, okay? Don't go and outreach to your buddies. How's it going, Mick? How you doing, boy? I was just wondering if I could just tell you about Jesus there for a minute. It's not going to work, lads. It's not going to work. You're going to put yourself in danger by doing that. You can't handle it. God isn't calling you to handle a situation like that. 
Be wise. Don't be overconfident. I was going to give another example, but I think it's probably a little bit too gritty, so I'll pass on example number two. Anyway, here's what Paul writes. He writes this. Oh, sorry, Peter, my apologies. writes in 1 Peter chapter 5. He says, be, so, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in your faith. Resist him, standing firm in your faith. Believe that God's, what God has for you is better than what the enemy is offering you. And remember this, you're as likely to be tempted in your strengths are you, as you are in your weaknesses. Take the example of Jesus when he was in the desert. The devil came to him. And he said to him, if you're the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Now, has anybody in this hall ever been tempted by the devil to turn stones into bread? No one. Why? Because it's not within our power. It's not within our gift to do that. But Jesus was tempted in the area of his power. You're as likely to be tempted in your strength. You know, the devil doesn't care. He really doesn't care. If you are plowing through life, doing amazingly well, being successful and confident and capable, provided God doesn't get the glory, he's happy with that situation. He's quite happy for you to be successful and proud and full of your own self-worth. He loves it. Do you know what? Do you know what the devil says to you? You need to love yourself more, baby. That's what the devil says to you. You need to have higher self-esteem. You need to value yourself more. That's what he says to you. He'll tempt you in your strength. In the area where you think you've got it all together. You've got it all figured out. I'd never fall for that. Oh, yes, you would. Resist the devil standing firm in your faith. And the thing about your strength is this. God is not impressed by human strength. Would anyone say amen? Nothing of lasting value has ever been grown or made in the kingdom of God as a result of human strength. Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 3 says this. The wise man sees trouble coming and takes action to avoid it. He takes action to avoid it. Where he says, the, but the fool keeps going and pays the price. And that's exactly what happened to poor Samson. He saw the trouble coming and he didn't take action to avoid it. He kept going and walked himself right into the hands of the Philistines. The psalmist writes this. He said, the Lord takes no pleasure in the strength of a horse or in human might. No, the Lord's delight is in those who fear him and who put their hope in his unfailing love. He's not delighted if you can run a marathon. He doesn't matter to him. You know, in the NIV it says, the Lord is not, just takes no pleasure in the strength of the horse or in the legs of a man. When I was running the marathon a few years ago, a couple of weeks beforehand, I got an injury in my knee and I wasn't able to run. And I read this verse, so thank you for reminding me that my time is up. Um, I read this verse and said, the Lord does not delight in the strength of a horse or in the legs of a man. And I thought, Lord, are you trying to tell me something? He said, yes. The Lord isn't impressed with our human might and our human strength. It is nothing. Isaiah the prophet says, what are you considering man for? He's just a breath. He's blown out like a candle. And that's the end of the life of a man. He's not impressed by our strength. Au contraire, we need to guard our strength. Because brothers and sisters, I say to you sincerely, there is weakness in our strength. If you have an area in your life that you feel you can handle completely without God's aid, be aware of the barber. Be aware that you will be pulled in on your strength. And brought to nothing because of your own strength and your own ability to handle something. Jesus said this. 
He said, yes, I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. We can do nothing. When we think that we are the source of strength, when we think that the source of strength, strength is within us, we can do nothing. He doesn't say, and apart from me, you can do the odd thing. Apart from me, there's a few things in your life that you can do. Apart from me, there will be fruitfulness in certain areas of your life. He says, no, apart from me, you can do nothing. He must be the one who gives us strength in our weakness. Would anyone say amen? amen? He is the one to whom we dedicate our strengths, lest they become our weaknesses. I commit this word to you this morning and ask you to bear in mind or take into your heart as much as you can that every one of us has strengths and weaknesses. Every one of us has strong points. Nobody has all the strengths and nobody has all the weaknesses. But that we would guard our hearts and guard our lives carefully so that the thing in which we think we are the best at becomes the thing in which we are found out in which we are found out. And I think that is there for every human being. Every human being is prone to hubris and a sense of confidence and a sense of ability when things begin to go well in your life. Deuteronomy chapter 8 says this, and maybe the worship band will come up. I want to read a short piece for you from Deuteronomy chapter 8. Have I got it pulled? When the children of Israel came into the promised land, Moses called them all together just as they were on the other side of the water. And he reminded them. He said something to them that you kind of think, gosh, I hadn't really thought about that. But he reminded them of something that happens to most human beings, in my opinion. I should have worn my reading glasses. He says this. So obey the commands of the Lord your God by walking in his ways and fearing him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land. God brings us into a good place. Amen. Flowing with streams and pools of water, with fountains and springs that gush in the valleys and the hills. It is a land of wheat and barley, of grapevines, fig trees, pomegranates, olive oil and honey. It is a land where food is plentiful and nothing is lacking. You know, when we are fully committed to Jesus Christ, we're fully committed to the cause of God. Nothing will be lacking in our lives. Would anyone say amen? Nothing will be lacking in your life. God will provide everything for you as we live our lives in dependence to him. He said it's a land where there's iron is as common as stone and copper is abundant in the hills. And when you have eaten your fill, and this is the important point, be sure to praise the Lord your God for the good land that he has given you. But that is the time to be careful. Beware that in your plenty you do not forget the Lord. Beware that when you become strong, you don't forget the Lord. Be careful that when you become prosperous, you don't forget the Lord. He warns, that's the time to be careful. Don't forget Him or disobey His commands. For when you've become full and prosperous and have built fine homes to live in, and when your flocks and herds have become very large and your silver and gold have multiplied along with everything else, don't become proud at that time and forget the Lord your God who rescued you out of slavery. 
don't forget the Lord when everything is going well. When you think, he goes on to say, that my hands and my energy have created this wealth. And it says, the Lord, you'll begin to think, I did all this myself. Look at all my riches. Look at all my strength. Look at all my gold. Look at my home and my herds and my fields. I've done all this myself. And he says, remember, that's the time to be careful. And remember to thank the Lord your God. Remember to thank the Lord your God for all he's done in your life. I want us to pray this morning and to bring our strengths before God and ask him to help us to guard the areas of strength in our life. Would anyone pray with me on that prayer? Will we stand and pray together? I want to pray two things. I want to pray that we would be sober-minded and alert. Be on our guard against the enemy and against the barber who would come in and cut our hair and change our lives and ruin us by choices and by decisions. And I want to pray that the Lord our God would help us to guard our strengths, to remember He is the source of our strength and that we would guard those areas where we think we've got it down. Would anyone say amen? Can I invite you to lift your hands? Let's lift our hands this morning and pray together. I'm going to pray universally. We're going to sing first, actually. Let's sing first. Let's sing first. All those against Him will fall. I'm saying that this morning I know the Holy Spirit prompted it to me and, but I don't want to speak into the air and I'm not going to identify anybody or call anybody out but if you're here this morning and you know that the Lord is speaking to you by His Holy Spirit and telling you you need to be aware of this person in your life you need to be careful of this person in your life because they will take your strength they will take your life they will draw you away from me with every eye closed in the house If that's you this morning, you want to identify that? I just want to be sure that I'm hearing from the Spirit. Would you raise your hand if that's you and you recognize that? Okay, I see your hands. You can take your hands back down again. I just want to pray for you. Father in heaven, I pray for all of my brothers and sisters who raise their hands, Lord, and who acknowledge that there is someone in their life who's trying to draw them away from you, Lord. I come against the barber in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. We come against the Delilah in these lives in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Lord. I pray, Lord Jesus, for wisdom and for strength and for power and for insight for my brothers and sisters that they would not fall victim. They would not fall victim to this person and fall victim to the enemy in their lives, Lord. 
pray, Lord, you would show them the escape route. Give them the way out of this situation, Lord. Reveal it to them by your Holy Spirit, Lord. May they open their eyes and open their ears to your word, to your spirit, and to your people. And hear the way out of their situation. Would anyone say amen? Let's all lift our hands and pray. Lord, we bring our strength to you, Lord. Lord, last Sunday morning, we brought our weakness to you and asked you, Lord, to give us your strength. Lord, this week we bring our strength to you, Lord. The writer to the Corinthians said, if you think you're strong, be careful that you don't fall. Lord, I pray we bring our strengths before you this morning and ask you, Lord, that we would be wise to guard them. Would anyone say amen? Lord, help us to be aware of the wily tricks of the enemy, Lord. That we would be sober-minded and alert in everything that we do, Lord. That we wouldn't be switched off or overconfident or asleep at the wheel, Lord. But that we would be sober-minded and we would be alert and we would not fall under the wiles of the devil. Lord, I pray that no one in this room this morning would give a foothold to the devil. Would anyone say amen? Lord, I pray that no one would leave the back door of their life as it were open for the enemy to come in and to destroy them, Lord. I pray, Lord, we would guard our strengths just as we are conscious of our weaknesses, Lord. I pray that nobody would fall for the siren song that we tell ourselves that we can handle this, that we'd never fall for that, or that we're strong enough for this situation. Lord, I pray we would be wise and live in your strength in Jesus' name. And God's people said, Lord, as we close this morning, let's close in prayer. Lord, as we close this morning, I pray we would remember the warning of the Lord in Deuteronomy. That we would remember how you are our provider. Would anyone say amen? Lord, we would remember that you are the one who provides all of our needs. Lord, that we would not fall for our own strength. And that this week, whatever need we face, we would bring it to the Lord our God. That we would ask you, Lord, to provide in every area of our lives, whatever area there is need, Lord. That you would provide strength for the weak. Would anyone say amen? Wisdom for the strong. Would anyone say amen? You would provide provision for those who are in need. For the Lord is our shepherd. And we shall not want. God bless us and go with us into the coming week. We pray in Jesus' name. And God's people said, amen. Praise God. God bless and go with you guys. Tea and coffee is being served upstairs. We're going to be here for another hour serving tea and coffee. Don't forget we're going to be here as well on Tuesday night. God bless and go with you. The guys are going to finish off the song.